keys might be helpful. Keys could have been helpful. Uh, the last word is gay. Okay. Uh, T. Five questions here to complete. Okay. Simplifying or. Has anybody seen my key? Oh, wait a minute. Uh, I don't know. Did you work? Oh, uh, I did. Write them down. You're write down the answer. Just the one key by itself? Paper. Yeah. Okay. So we'll do one at a time. Thank you. Yes. Yes, thank you. What is it? I'll be back. Okay. Good luck, right? Look. you weren't aware <clears throat> you've tuned into danger close usa angry pissed off american podcast radio this is your blue collar hard-working american democrat jeff kaufman also known as your voice of reason during times of treason the angry one 
the voice of angry angels. <laughs> oh, I know. Normally it's me screaming uh, something along the lines of Good Afternoon America with music blaring in the background. I don't know why I did it this way. I got in my car, realized I forgot my key. Key. I used to have like a whole keychain, you know, with like 30 freaking keys on it. And now I'm down to one. I like it that way. It's less complicated. I feel like a jailer. Well, first and f- foremost, I, w- I, w- I want to say thank you to someone, and they, they told me not to mention their name, and so I don't know if I can mention their name now, but I, I want to mention that this wonderful person got in contact with us while we're struggling. She sent. She's an author. She sent us a bunch of books, and she's been helping us obtain help and has donated to us in more ways than one. And yeah. I think I need to shut off the notifications for that. She's helped us in more ways than one, and she inspires us like to be hopeful through this entire ordeal we're going through, what we're struggling with. And uh, the books automatically almost were distributed, you know, except for the older boys that were kind of like, well, it's a little... But our youngest daughters, second youngest daughters, our three-year-old, and uh, our 12-year-old and our 13-year-old were all just automatically just bugging out, and they were... It, it was a great experience, and they had a good night with them last night, and... It, it's, it's great to be on the receiving end of people helping you, but it's very overwhelming and extremely humbling. And, you know, I, I can't say how grateful I am over and over and over. It feels repetitive, but it's so necessary to let people know how much you appreciate what they've done. And in so many instances with everybody out there and there's so much division in this country and everything that's going on it's it's good to know that there are good people out there and um you know i don't know her political stance and i I, i'm assuming that she's not a trump supporter but it wouldn't matter to me either way at this point you know what i mean it's just we're so divided politically Morally and everywhere else, that it's nice to know that we reached out for help and people are judging us and tearing us down or, you know, belittling me for, you know, what we're going through or whatever, because I've already had a little bit of that happen, you know, like, get a job, you loser. Yeah, thanks. That's what I need to hear right now. <laughs> No, but a big, huge, heartfelt thank you to this wonderful author and her friends and her family and everybody, 
not just her, but everybody who's supported us throughout this. And it means a lot to us. And if you're interested in helping us out, that's great too. I'll be I'll, I'll make sure there's a GoFundMe link in the, this episode's description. If if you can find it and click on it and donate, that's great. If not, share it. I don't care. Um, you know, I I swear and I cuss and and I and I go off on the deep end on here a lot. And it's not very often that I'm. Sweet and kind and considerate, but I, I want everybody to know that's that's helped out um, everybody. That it means a lot to me, and it means a lot to my family. We're extremely grateful, especially for such generosity in such hard times right now. Okay, I, I said what I had to say. Back to being me. <laughs> But no, I, I, I just, uh, this is America to me. This is what America's all about. It's not handouts, it's a hand up. It's encouragement, hope. And a feeling of family. In essence, that I don't have to explain myself. So... That's the America I believe in. The good America. I I just want people to know how much it means to us as a family to know that people care enough to reach out and do things like this wonderful person. And it's not the it, it's not the money. It, it it's the hope that we're getting from this. It's the inspiration that everything's going to be okay. We're going to make it. Oh, yellow means go slow. Thank you. Anyways, for someone who just tuned in, my name is Jeff Kaufman. I I don't know if you're familiar with my show or not. It's not like a big hit or anything. But uh, what I try to do is counter the propaganda and the propagandists that support Donald Trump. And I try to counter them with at least somewhat of a logical rebuttal. And also using my extremely intelligent and stable genius mind. My extremely stable genius mind. um, I try to decipher things that are happening in the political spectrum. But not just that. And and I'm a patriot of this country. I love this country. And... um, I was sick and tired of listening to all this right side, right angled, propagandist, talk show hosts, 
the Sean Hannity, the Mark Levins, the, the Glenn Becks, the Rush Limpballs, all those that are constantly supporting and creating damaging narratives against this country and who have basically applied an ideology that should not exist in America. Freedom of speech applied. Freedom of speech. No freedom of speech. Either or the other. Um, there's a difference between freedom of speech and, and creating a dangerous and uh, impactful harming narrative that supports a treasonous president and supports a treasonous political party. My show is intended to at least address for the common guy, because that's what I am. I'm a common guy. High school dropout, went into the culinary profession, had about 18, 20 years of culinary under my belt, became a single parent, had to give up the culinary world. I've been doing whatever I can do to support my family right now. It's been a tough battle since 2008 up until I met my wife in 2011, 2012. Um, I battled for custody, sole custody of my children. I won. uh, The battle to get there was incredibly hard and difficult. Being a single parent and being a single male parent, being a dad, single dad, is not as easy as one might think. You know, I can't imagine what, you know, it's like to be a single parent as far as being a woman, but uh, I can assure you that it's no more easier or difficult um, than being a single parent as a man. And the judgment that people cast upon you, um, very crude and unusual. I remember taking my daughters for their, first year of elementary school and the principal actually asked me for proof of custody stating that she didn't believe that a man could have custody of two little girls and a boy and I mean I had custody of my youngest when she was nine months old so I had three kids and did what I had to do you know I just did what I had to do long story short um, the reason why I do this show is because I saw a calling for someone to counter the propagandists, the Mark Levins, the Sean Hannity's, the Janine Pierros, the Tucker Carlson's, the Glenn Beck's, the Rush Limbaugh's, the, uh, what I'm calling the scam artists of America with someone that's a little more hard hitting, someone with a little bit more of a, an attitude. And that's me in, in a nutshell. Um, I'm not always the most uh, eloquent speaker. I'm not always the most uh, professional sounding <laughs> podcast show host. Um, it's just me. It's this phone and that's it. In my opinion and my thoughts. And I might ramble on about something and go from one thing to another. But uh, at the heart of the show was the intentions of countering the propagandists that are really Spreading an ideology, not news. They're spreading their opinion, not the news. They're spreading 
hate on acceptance and inequality. And so that's why I do this show. And so for the Mark Levins and the Sean Hannity's and the Tucker Carlson's and the list of propagandists, which is what they are, um, is extensive and long. And then there's just me. I don't know if there's anybody else. I really never listened to Seth Rogen more than once or twice, and I didn't care for it. Um, I, I like Howard Stern because he's a little bit more unbiased, but, uh, you know, more of a troublemaker than a, a not good trouble. You know what I mean? It's just, you know, some of the nasty shit I remember seeing on his show. I was like, you know, this is like Jerry Springer of freaking radio. But um, at least he's unbiased. Me, I'm just one guy. <clears throat> He was told when he was in high school he had a great radio voice and he should do this for a living. Well, that never amounted to anything, so um, I decided to do what I'm doing now. Um, so when I discuss politics, it's my opinion. It's what I've deciphered from the news, what I've deciphered from watching something or hearing something. It's my opinion. Um, when I talk about something, it's my opinion. It's not the news. And I think there's some clarification that's needed on the spectrum of what is being done on the right, because they're not talking about the news, they're talking about their opinion. It's an ideology. It's something they're throwing at you, and it's harmful. And that's why I do the show, because I try to be the opposite of that. So anyways, I appreciate you tuning in. If this is your first time, um, welcome to my show. It's nothing special. It's nothing extravagant. I don't have a co-host. I don't have a script. I don't have a producer. Well, I am my own producer, but whatever. Thanks for tuning in. I'll be right back. And uh, we'll act like I just started the show. We'll just go from there. that our president might just be racist. You know, that's been an argument over the last four years about Donald Trump's racism. It's been a, a topic of conversation in the news and in the, in the political realm with the accusation that Donald Trump is racist. And try as he might... Who he managed to persuade to believe that is now questioning whether or not they were right. 
at least I, I would think, would be questioning whether or not their support was misaligned at this point. Of course, you know, like I, I, I kind of predicted this, that the media on his side of the fence would, of course, defend him to the, you know, their dying breath that Donald Trump actually condemned racism and white supremacy. I'm sure they'll they'll say that, but you know, he was given the opportunity to to prove them correct and he failed. And he failed in more ways than one. Given his second opportunity, I believe at the White House, on the White House lawn, when asked to uh do the same thing basically all he did was just clarify what he said stand by you know stand down let law enforcement do their job he didn't call them out as to what they are and what they stand for he just again sidestepped the opportunity to fully condemn at least condemn white supremacy in America, but he couldn't do it. And you would think that would be alarming for some people. You know, might just be a little concerning when the uh, president of the free world is uh, incapable of engaging with the denouncement of white supremacy. Incapable of, of, of using those words, of speaking straightforwardly about where his support lies in that, in that world. And Proud Boys celebrated. I mean, they were selling freaking clothing on Amazon. There's nothing good about white supremacy being celebrated in America. before I grew up in a racist home and I rebelled against it when I got older because most of my friends the people I liked that I went to school with were black and I couldn't I couldn't use my father freaking wrote notifications god I could not use my father's logic that he used at home and it didn't work in the, in the real world I remember in school, and this, and this guy's dead now, but I remember when I was in high school, there was a, a kid that formed a, uh, a, a hate group in Port Charlotte, Florida called uh, Zone of Control or 
some crazy shit and it was a white supremacist type of group that formed while I was in high school it was it was some kid in high school in junior high I won't use his name because he's deceased but I remember these little groups forming up and fighting each other and it was crazy always been uh, a part of American life. It's uh, racism. Always, racism has always been part of American life. Racism has always been here. Lord Almighty, my notifications. I don't care. 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 Go away. Quit. Stop. I don't want any more of these notifications. Thank you. I think I've had enough. Thank you. Anyways. The way everything is going in this country, the way everything's been... It's like Atlanta rush hour. The bumper to bumper to bumper traffic. And I live in a little teeny, teeny town. Reminds me when I used to drive through the heart of Atlanta. That was fun. Fun times. Fun times. Dealing with traffic. You'll have to excuse me for a second. Bumper to bumper to bumper to bumper. Unbelievable. It's like freaking Atlanta. Great day to leave the house, apparently. Great day. Unbelievable. All right, so... Holy jeez. Nuggets. 
I was saying it's bumper to bumper, and I'm not, I wasn't even, I wasn't, I'm not even kidding. My show has moments like this, so if you're tuning in, I'm sorry. I, you know, I don't, I don't sit behind a desk with a microphone in my face. I do this to and fro work or running errands for the wife. Oh my God. Oh my God, stop. If I get any more notifications, I'm going to freak out. There is a female construction worker, and she, she's got a hot pink suit on, and my wife would probably wear that. She's got a hot pink construction worker suit. Oh, that's awesome. Pink hat, pink boots, pink reflective vest. The whole nine yards. I, I wish I could take a picture of it. That is so awesome. My wife would totally dig that. My wife said if we ever have a real wedding, because we were married by a magistrate, if we ever had a real wedding, she wants a Pepto-Bismol pink one. Yeah, yeah, Pepto-Bismol pink. That's like her favorite color in the whole wide world. I don't get it, I don't understand, but whatever. said if we ever had a real wedding she'd want a Pepto-Bismol pink wedding just a color and I'm thinking me in a Pepto-Bismol tuxedo I don't think so but I'm in touch enough with my masculinity I think I could handle it I went on a date once in high school with a girl named Diana and she bought me a salmon pink button-up shirt nice high-quality button-up shirt, dress shirt, hot salmon pink. I cherished that shirt. I was in love with this girl when I, and I was still in high school. She was a little bit older than me. She was, uh, I think, two grades ahead of me. Drop-dead gorgeous. Still friends with her. She's a mortician. Married, got beautiful children. You know, I'm talking way back in high school. And she's now a mortician. You know, just awesome person. But, um, I remember her buying me that shirt. <laughs> and uh, I remember wearing it out of the store. Now, I was I was one of those kids, you know, I, I wasn't homophobic, I guess, but, you know, wearing pink was kind of like, you know, you don't do that. I guess it is homophobic. So, you know, I was young, you know, and I'm like, I'm not wearing pink. Real men don't wear pink, you know, that kind of an attitude. But for this girl, I, w I would have worn polka dotted pink. You know, I was, I, it didn't matter. 
And, you know, she bought me that shirt. I, I had that shirt. I don't forget for how long I wore that shirt. Um, I think until it just fell apart. I, I, I wore it to the point where it wasn't hot pink anymore. You know, it wasn't the hot salmon pink looking color anymore. It was faded and ruffled and <clears throat> in horrible shape. But I wore that thing, and I think until the buttons fell off, you know, I, I, it was my favorite shirt. Uh, don't know why I'm talking about pink right now. I thought that was just whatever. But I just saw that construction worker, and I thought of my wife wanting a pink wedding, a Pepto-Bismol pink wedding. And what she means by that is everything pink, you know, everything Pepto-Bismol pink. You know, and I always thought to myself, oh, God, you know, that's just... This is too much. But if I ever, 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 we ever have the money to do it, you know, fantasy world here. But if we ever had the money to actually do something like that, I, I would totally do that for my wife. I would totally dress up in a Pepto, Pepto Bismol pink tuxedo and give her the best day of her life. I really would. I'd do that. I would do that. If she wanted me to dress up in a pink bunny rabbit suit, I'd even do that. Hot pink bunny rabbit suit fluffy with a little pink tail and floppy ears. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. I'm just fucking with you. I don't know. I mean, I'm saying whatever my wife wants, she gets. And if she wanted a Pepto-Bismol pink wedding with me in a freaking bunny suit, I'd do it. <laughs> Anyways. <clears throat> you know, besides all my cussing and everything, I'm actually a pretty fun guy. Lots of fun. This is Danger Close USA, angry, pissed off American podcast radio. I'm going to go get toilet paper. And you're coming with me. Let's go get some toilet paper. Oh, God. I don't make any friends in this town. The only way I can blend in is to dress like they do and act like they do. I'm not even kidding.
You feel free to fast forward if you want to. Buying toilet paper. I go to Walmart, there's like hard, I don't know. Like the employees, some are wearing masks, some don't, some wearing face shields.
All right, well, thanks for joining me for the shopping experience. I'm sorry that was so boring. But, um, yeah, I got my toilet paper. <laughs> I drove all the way up to Walmart <laughs> to buy the biggest mega pack of TP I could find. And now my uh, excursion into the city is over. Now I want you to kind of pay attention to all the background sound that maybe you heard. Because that's what it sounds like around the town principality, I guess you could call it, whatever, township of where I live. I'm about 20 minutes away from the heart of a very small little town, but it's very, very busy little town. And, you know, you could drive through it in less than a minute and not even know you were in a town. If you didn't take the right turns, you just go through a couple lights and you're done. But it's a pretty busy little area. Extremely busy. Now I gotta drive back the way I came. Huh. Sometimes people do some crazy shit. I just saw a BMW try to take off at a red light. It wasn't green, but he pulled out halfway into the into the intersection, realized it was red, and then decided to back up. And he didn't back all the way up, and he's still kind of hanging out there in the intersection, like, ah, I almost made it. A little further, I would have been across the road. Now it's green, he's not going. Okay, great. Okay. Well, this is a little bit different. Compared to my normal show. Not that I've never taken you uh, toilet paper shopping before, because I have taken you toilet paper shopping before, you just didn't know it. This time I've blatantly just let the cat out of the bag. You just went toilet paper shopping. It's a little more different than I normally do. This might be one of the more boring uh, episodes of Danger Close. I hope you're bored to death. Sorry.
internal polling data that they would share with the media. The Biden campaign would share their, their, their buddies. They're the same party. What if there is internal polling data showing just that? That they, that they are starting to bleed black support. They're bleeding black male voters. They are bleeding black male voters in support. And if they've got internal polling data showing, that would explain this hysteria and panic because that's what this is okay here we go to greensburg pennsylvania this is susie you're up first today and it's great to have you with us hi hi rush i want you to know that we're saying prayers for you during your medical battles that's first off thank you very much i'm, I'm convinced that they work great great having a sister that passed away from Oh, ovarian, ovarian cancer or colon cancer. They didn't, never knew which. It was, uh, you know, it was traumatic. So that's why I'm, I'm really, really pulling for you. Thank you very much. Thank you. And what I wanted to ask you and sort of talk about is from what I'm looking at on Facebook and some other places, not all the Proud Boys are white. I mean, there look like there's some black people. How can how can that be a, a white supremacist group? They aren't. And, they are. I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up. I've got I've got the story on the Proud Boys in the stack here, and I am glad that you reminded me of this because the Proud Boys are not a white supremacist group. They're not. Uh, uh, this uh, this is the. One of the risks of staying stuck in time, never even hear you. Black professor insists that Proud Boys aren't white supremacists. Trump, he didn't even know who they are. He never heard of them. Uh, Wilfred Riley, associate professor of political science. Oh my God! Black Kentucky State University. We got you on record, Rush. Proud Boys are not white supremacy. Noted that their international chairman, Enrique Tarrio, is black. Ten to twenty percent of Proud Boys are people of color. Others have really? confirmed his research on social media. It's in the Washington Times. So. So now the narrative has turned that um, Proud Boys aren't white supremacist groups. They're they're a, a, a mix now. The origins of where Proud Boys came from was anti-Semitic and extremely racist towards blacks. And the founding of Proud Boys was based simply on the ideals 
of the clan in the very beginning of, of what it was. That's why you see these guys showing up in mass numbers of heavily armed white folk. It's never really been. I've never seen any evidence of it, at least. And there's nothing I've, I've managed to obtain on Facebook. Unless this is their new image going forward, which is probably what this is. So they know they've been associated with white supremacy, and now they're going to basically cloak the tiger, pull the wool over everybody's eyes and say, oh, look, we've got, you know, 10 to 20 percent of our crowd is people of color. And this will be the narrative now. Because they've been associated with white supremacy. They automatically were drawn out of the hat, basically, when Donald Trump was given his first chance to denounce white supremacy and you got Rush Limbaugh here going well Donald Trump didn't even know who they were bullshit he's, he's actually addressed them there's proof of that he knew who the Proud Boys were there's there's no hiding it he knew who the Proud Boys were there's a tweet with him t- uh, thanking them he's, he's spoken about them at rallies so For him to try to say now that he didn't know to help, we know it's a lie. And we're dealing with one of the master propagandists of all times, Rush Limbaugh. And of course, he just came out and said white supremacy has nothing to do with what the Proud Boys are. So now we're playing that game. We're playing that whole game where, prove me wrong, even though there's plenty of proof to say that the Proud Boys are, and still are, a racist hate group. If there's evidence to the contrary, let me know. But up until two days ago, that's who they were. So now Rush is pulling a magic rabbit out of his ass, trying to state that, oh, look, a black professor said that it's not what everybody knows it is. Donald Trump's never heard of these guys. And and that's the narrative they're going to go with. And, And the sheep, the Trump supporters, will eat it up. They will eat it up. And now that's their narrative, and they're going to regurgitate that pile of excrement that came out of Rush Limbaugh's mouth. And you can imagine how many millions of people he just reached with this narrative. And this is where they this is where they gain control over every problem and situation and anything else having to do with Donald Trump. Like I said before, he could come out and say something god-awful which he has done and they ignore it because they know the supporters don't care they don't care about how he acted at the debate they don't care about him shouting over Joe Biden they don't care because that's a reflection of who they are you know I remember early on when they were trying to say to Democrats being a Democrat was a mental issue. They were trying to associate mental illness with liberalism and being part of the Democratic Party. They were trying to say that Democrats had a mental illness. And I really think that's just a reflection upon the side that they panhandle to. 
the only side in this equation that could have any real mental illness would be the side that still thinks Donald Trump's just a great guy. You know, social interdependencies, when you're dependent on what everybody else around you thinks, and identify with a specific group that all wears red hats in this instance, when a narrative is planted, when the seed is dropped into the herd, the sheep end up repeating it all over and over and over. So here you got Rush Limbaugh, and I'm sure there's been plenty coming out before him in the propagandist world with the same narrative because this is what's going to work. This is how they're going to get out of it. This is how they're going to get out of Donald Trump. I mean, let's just face it. He has all the time in the world right now. All he has to do is call for a press conference, stand before the people and say, I denounce white supremacy. I denounce these hate groups, the Proud Boys. He can do it any time he wants. He's the President of the United States. He can do it at any time he wants. But he's not. Instead, he's letting the propagandists, the shit monkeys, sling their crap around and get everybody on the same page. So now he doesn't have to apologize. He doesn't have to say anything at all. He lets them do his job. And that's exactly what they're doing right now. They're speaking for the president. They're covering for the president. They can't tell you they're not because it's exactly what they're doing. And Rush Limbaugh will come out and say what he just said. And everything will be peachy keen because now the president does haven't have anything at all to apologize for. Because Rush Limbaugh just came out and said the Proud Boys are not part of white supremacy. They're a grade A cross-section of American people. Yeah. So now he's given Donald Trump the excuse. And now Donald Trump doesn't even have to apologize. Now Donald Trump can go along with what he originally stated. I don't even know who they are. You've retweeted their shit. You know who the Proud Boys are. You can deny it all you want. You're the President of the United States. I'm sure you're very well aware with all the news that he consumes on a daily basis. All the TV he fucking watches on a daily basis. Don't tell me the words Proud Boys never crossed his screen or entered his ear. This is why I'm the voice of reason during times of treason. Let's get to the root of the problem. He's lying. He can't be telling the truth because he consumes more TV, news, and entertainment, propagandist fucking word salads, than anybody on the face of the planet. To try to tell me that a guy that consumes up to eight hours of TV a day has never heard of the Proud Boys means you're lying, Rush Limbaugh.
not a gentleman and a scholar. You're a Charlton. You're a fake. You're not a patriot of this country. You're a liar. Rush Limbaugh and the people just like him, the propagandists that have infiltrated America's mindset with their ideology and their continuing cover and lying for Donald Trump has been great business for them. They're making a ton of money while he's been president. And these little personal favor shit is getting old. We know, as Americans, if Donald Trump comes out and he says, look at that green tree, but it's actually purple. <laughs> Hold on. If the man, all right, if Donald Trump comes out and says, hey, the sky's purple, the grass is blue, the world is perfect. They would come out with some excuse, some reasoning, some load of bullshit to cover for it. It's the same principle. No matter what he does, they have a narrative to go and cover it up or protect it, to, uh, to support it, whatever. Whatever it takes. That's what their job is. Their job isn't to give you the news. Their job isn't to do anything but lie to your fucking face. That's their job. That's what they do. Lie. Misconstrue facts. Give you alternate reality to believe in. Where everything's peachy keen and the president can do no wrong. This is what they give you. This is what they supply their audience with. A narrative, a reality that's not even real. They know it. And they're good at it. These guys aren't just like me. Some guy with a fucking uh, a, a microphone and a, and, a, and a phone running around doing errands and, and, and speaking his political mind. No. These guys are professionals. They have everything I don't. They have a studio. They have a producer. They have a plenty of help to help them do their show. Plenty of workers behind the, behind the scenes. Plenty of people writing the scripts and giving them talking points. We know how it works. And we know where they get their talking points. They know what they're doing. They know exactly what they're doing. They are an extension of the GOP and the president. They are their loudspeaker. This isn't personal opinion. This is a job. That's what they do. That's who they work for. They want to make this narrative that the Democrats own the media. We'll explain why Republican buyers bought up every small radio station known to man across the country in rural areas where internet is not accessible. Yeah. Yeah, see, I like analytics. Tell me why they bought up all these FM and AM stations and all of them are hooked into Fox. Why is it that I'm in the mountains of North Carolina where I can't even get internet? That the left and Democrats ultimately want to do away with elections. I but I can tune in to Rush Limbaugh. Say, I thought you were mad. I thought that all of this... I'm in the mountains. I'm in the mountains well, of North Carolina. Be some years ago now, You used to turn on the only radio station you could get was an AM station. Not too long ago... Republicans came in here and started buying up FM and AM radio stations. And their programming runs this during the day. Win elections without 
On one station, you know, we look around us and we see the world. They can get you on another one. stations in this area that are FM stations. One's 97.7 and one is 107.8 or something like that. I don't know. It's the same company. It's the same radio station. It's just they have two stations. And up until not too long ago, all you could get was AM stations here. I mean, there was no FM station that you could get in unless you had a really good radio and you were able to tune into like a Chattanooga or Atlanta station maybe a, a closer, bigger town. But for the most part, there was nothing on the FM dial. And all of a sudden, here comes this radio station comes in. Well, I'm really down for that. Really, they they go beyond their means to show that they're a Republican Party. Um, one of their biggest advertisers is Cherokee Guns in Murphy, North Carolina, who is just a, a crazy fucking fruitcake, probably one of the Proud Boys, undoubtedly. Um you know, he has, he has signs like, you know, Donald Trump oils his, his AR-15 with liberal tears. Uh, I'm not kidding. That's actually a road sign. But that that's the mentality. And they have they have local talk show hosts. I had one guy I caught on uh, audio. I recorded him uh, saying that, um, you know, try living in Saudi Arabia where they cut off your head if you're gay. We should try that here. And... That kind of mentality. So, you know, where I live and what I have to tune into or can tune into is pretty much Republican propaganda 99.9% of the time. That's all you're getting. You're even getting the local uh, attitude and personality and and dysfunctional um, type of people who are willing to continue spreading Donald Trump's rhetoric. Um, So... That's why I do my show. I, I don't have an audience. I, I know. I'm very well aware. I've got 19 subscribers. Um, you know, I've had up to 1,200 people listen to my show in one day. That's That was a great thing. But I don't do this show for myself. I'm not making any money out of this. Nobody's paying me. Um, I get some advertising fees for doing uh, the beginning of my show where I talk about Anchor Podcasts, uh, the Anchor Podcast app which is a great app. You should try it. <laughs> but I don't get paid to do any of that. I mean, I made 40, $45 and some change in two years doing this podcast. So I, I, I don't do this for the money. I don't do this for attention. I don't do this for, uh, you know, any, anything really. I do this because 
I know what's out there. I know what people are exposed to on a daily basis from the Republican Party. I know what the talking points are. I know what the narratives are. So I want to, I want to contend them. And that's why I do the show. That's why I'm here. That's why you can tune into my show every other day or every day of the week or whatever, whenever I feel like doing one of these shows. And I just express what's on my mind and what I'm thinking and, and, and my opinion. And I, I want people to realize it's just my opinion. I, I'm not, you know, I'm nobody. Unlike Sean Hannity and the rest that want you to think that this is the popular opinion. I don't know if my opinion's popular. And it may be when it comes to things I say about Donald Trump, like him being a fucking moron and, you know, a complete imbecile and inept at his job. And, you know, all the things I say about him. A lot of people agree to that. A lot of people agree to that. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Mail. It's always fun. I get the best mail. Nothing but mail. We'll see how my interview went. It was short. It didn't last very long, so we'll see how it goes. Um, I really didn't talk about it because after I bought the toilet paper and everything, and well, before I went to get toilet paper, I, I went and did the interview, and it was very short. I don't know why it was so short, but it was just like blah, 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 done. And that's where I was left. And now I'm driving down my driveway, and there's a guy parked on the freaking middle of the road. It's not the best place to park your truck, buddy. I live here. Don't go down my driveway. Just keep going back. There you go. We'll see how it goes. wasn't um, anything of the words I want to use. It wasn't the most pleasant interview I've ever been on. I think the guy was probably having a bad day in his kitchen and uh, didn't want to talk to anybody. Maybe he was trying to catch up with something or I've been in there and you're under a lot of pressure and uh, he was just like, yeah, yeah, I'll take a look at your resume later. But it didn't seem like there was anything going on. You know, it was kind of weird. I interrupted something. I don't know. It was just odd. 
So I, I don't know how that was going to pan out. Hopefully he doesn't like call me like in the next 10 minutes and be like, Hey, can you come back? Cause I was just there. And so I, I it would be aggravating. <laughs> Money doesn't grow on trees. I have people trying to help our family and I've been burning up gas left and right going to job interviews, which I'm going to continue doing, but it's just the whole idea that <clears throat> because he was mismanaging his time and now I, I might have to, you know, cover for that. Well, we'll see what happens. Maybe he wasn't the person I was supposed to talk to. I don't know. We'll see what happens. But, uh, you know, it'd be great to get back into the culinary world. I'm, I'm trying to, I'm pulling at different avenues and different directions and trying to figure out what I want to do. And, well, this is what I want to do. I don't know. I want to do the culinary stuff, but I, I would take anything that would fit my personality. And my wife says I should try for security guard. And I have that personality, that mannerism, and uh, I'm not very approachable. I'm just perfect for the job, she says. Now, when I was leaving uh, the Walmart where I was getting toilet paper, um, I told you to pay attention to all the background noise. And when I was walking through the parking lot there, I, that's what I really wanted you to hear. It was just the hustle and bustle of the cars, the traffic, the horns, the people. And I want you to hear what I hear at my house, which is a good 20 minutes from where all that exists. chainsaw running in the background. That moment of zen brought to you by Danger Close USA. Angry, not so pissed off right now. Podcast radio. Now I can go to my house and um, be back in the city.
toilet paper. 